2: regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half, and the desire and the pursuit of the whole
0: is called love. Heart perception will change everything.
2: Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
0: Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific on Ground and the Aftermath FM app. If you'd like to listen to the show after it airs, you can always go to whatever app or player that you use to listen to radio or podcasts. Type in The Secret Teachings and you can listen to the show for free. There are advertisements put into those shows, not by me, but by the system that we use to archive our show. So if you'd like to get rid of those ads, you can subscribe on our website, thesecretteachings.info, to the full show archive without ads, plus our montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. And that is discounted to $40 for the entirety of the next year. But only until the end of this year can you get that discount. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com or TSTRadio at ProtonMail.com. I'm kind of surprised not many people have been using the ProtonMail email. People have still been going with the RD Gable email. But I guess I've also given that email out for like almost 12, 13 years. So I guess it takes a while to get people to shift over to the new email. But if you are emailing me at RD Gable, that's totally fine. I check that every day. Uh, It gets overloaded though, so sometimes I'm a day or two, maybe even a week sometimes behind responding to those emails, but I will get to you as soon as possible if you haven't received a, a response from me yet. The Facebook page is just The Secret Teachings, of course, and Twitter, TST underscore underscore radio. We put up the show promos there every day, and uh, we are slowly building a following there. I am new on Twitter, so I don't really use it uh, that efficiently, but I am trying my best. So last night, and I uh, Tuesday and Monday this week, we've had a couple of shows that sort of are, I think, we're able to weave them together. We talked about the AI art on Monday, the AI art generation. Uh, On Tuesday, we talked about binary thinking, which is the inability to think outside of the zeros and ones of, uh, well, what amounts to uh, thinking along the lines of fallacies like the false dilemma. And then last night we shifted gears into the holidays of the holy days. We talked about the holly jolly oak king and the oak king who becomes king of the first half of the year on the winter solstice, which was yesterday. And then in the summertime on the summer solstice, the oak king, like Osiris, is slain by his brother, essentially his brother, the holly king who rules the second half of the year. So that is a really interesting and fun educational show that we did last night. And then we'll have a similar show like that tomorrow. But tonight, I wanted to talk about something that you're going to need to be mature in order to listen to the show tonight. I don't mean that you need to be over a certain age, but you need to be mature in your thinking in order to listen to tonight's show. I've titled tonight's show A Kinky Christmas Now, for those of you who don't know what kinky means, kinky can apply to more than just sexual things, but kinky is something that involves or something that um, incorporates behavior sexually uh, that is unusual. Kinky can also be applied to other things. Uh, It could be applied to uh, viewpoints or beliefs that are a little bit strange. Relatively speaking, you can look at another culture another religious uh, belief system, whatever it is. And and you could say, well, that's kind of kinky. It's kind of different and kind of bizarre and kind of weird. Might not have the same meaning in terms of how you use the word, but whether it's sexual or sexual or not, it means something kind of unusual, something kind of weird. And another word that is very sexual but can also mean something other than sex is the word fetish. Fetish is a form of sexual desire in which gratification is linked to a particular object or activity or some part of the body or something like that, right? So you could have a particular fetish to a part of the body or you could have a fetish in relationship to something that's totally unrelated to sexual things. You could have a fetish, I, I would say you could have a fetish for you know a particular political tribe. You could have a fetish for a sports team. You could have a fetish for a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily mean something sexual. And I think fetish more than kinky uh, can have uh, meanings that are varied and have nothing to do with sex. So fetish, kinky, these are words I've used on the show before to describe our culture of BDSM. Now, I'm not going to get into the particulars of sexual terminology, But BDSM is basically bondage, being tied up, being gagged, things like that. And this is about the extent of the age limit for tonight's show. Uh, BDSM and a culture of BDSM is something I've talked about on this broadcast before. I've said that we have a culture of BDSM that really began, I think, in the middle part of 2020. And I said that it's a culture of BDSM because what you have is, on the very mundane level, people that are willing to restrict themselves, restrict their movements, stay in their homes, not talk to other people unless the government tells them that it's okay, Uh, not go out in public unless the government tells them that it's okay, cover their face by putting a mask over it, basically gagging, essentially blindfolding yourself, if you will, So, binding yourself and living in a state of fear-bound, not knowing what's going to happen next. You are completely in the controlling hands of those that are making the demands, that are making the policies, that are signing the executive orders, etc. And we did, I want to say off the top of my head, three, but I know two for sure. We did two shows called Cultural BDSM part one, and Cultural BDSM, part two. And those shows did really, really well. They were two of the better shows uh, of the last two years in terms of downloads and in terms of of emails. Uh, I mean, they're kind of like, you know, shocking titles, but maybe, maybe that's why. So Cultural BDSM, that's kind of the idea. You know, you cover your face, you're masked, you're stuck in your home, not allowed to go anywhere. You're basically waiting for someone to tell you what you can do. It's a very submissive, dominant, relationship between you and government. That's the culture of BDSM. And people have a fetish for that. Uh, It's like a kinky form of governmental, you know, dominance play, if you will. Now, on the other side, way beyond the mundane, you have the esoteric component and element of this. So the esoteric component and element of this, it's what I call the esoteric component, is being bound in a way in which you are secluded, you are cut off from contact with others. And just like in the Freemasonic ritual tradition, you are blindfolded, uh, you have something put over your head, you are brought into the ritual room. Same thing in the mystery schools, you're either blindfolded or you have something put over your head, something that Um, It could be like a kind of like a bag or something that, you know, basically binds your face. Uh, You're tied up, you're led around by the, you know, by the rope. So it's a similar kind of a thing. You're being bound. You're not able to see where you're going. You're relying on other people. You're in seclusion. Uh, You've been locked down in a a pyramid or a temple or uh, a grotto, a cave. And you're meant to undergo a process of transformation there. So this would be like an alchemical uh, transmutative uh, situation where you are as as a lump of lead transformed into a lump of solid gold. Spiritually speaking, and, and you become, as we discussed last night with the Winter Solstice Show, which was really fun, a really good show. If you missed it, you should go back and listen to it, download it, share it for free uh, online with whatever social media pages you have. The Winter Solstice and the idea of resurrecting as a son, S-U-N, or a son, S-O-N, or a daughter, if you will, of God, as opposed to a son or daughter of man. So this is the ritualistic alchemical transformation that takes place in the mystery schools all throughout ancient history and very likely before ancient history even began, even before the time of Egypt, uh, thousands and thousands of years ago. And they were doing the same types of things and, you know, South America, same types of things, and Japan, same kinds of ritualistic initiations and, and, and whatnot. So what you have here is on the surface, this culture of BDSM is on the mundane level, if you will. and mon- By mundane, I just mean the physical, day-to-day, everybody's aware of it. You might not call it BDSM, you call it mitigation of a virus. But on the surface, on the mundane, it's, it's this kinky, fetishized, uh, dominant relationship you have with the government it's BDSM it's uh it's basically being bound it's being told you can and can't do certain things it's I mean in other words it's kind of like that meme that's been going around I'm sure there's a lot of memes that that go around I miss but the meme of like the um the NPC who's got like 50 needles stuck in them and they've got like every corporation and media outlet tattooed on their body um, it's just like photo. It's like a Photoshop image of the logo, and they've got a mask on or two masks on, and you know they've got just basically they're just a, a, a representation of every corporation, every bank, and all the pharmaceutical companies, and then their uh, their captions usually usually like yet yeah, uh, government me or control me harder daddy or something like that. It's some kind of weird fetish thing, and that is what it's like for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people that bought into that. And we're willing to participate after the fact that we find out legally you couldn't force people to do things and that doing those things didn't necessarily mean you weren't going to get sick. Um, a lot of people showed that there were, they were um, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
4: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
4: Oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 18 plus.
0: Certainly from the beginning, they were sadists. They were people that derived pleasure, especially sexual gratification. I don't know if people got sexually off on it, but I would imagine some people did from inflicting pain or humiliation on others. You know, a lot of people that yelled at me about not wearing a mask, they weren't like big, tough people. They were weaselly, squirmy, little runts, you know, people that didn't have really a lot I mean I don't know who these people were, but they were all these like scrawny little I don't want to play into the the, the, the cultural meme, but you know kind of like the 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 beta males, if you will. Um, they were just these scrawny little people that screamed at me and I imagine that they didn't have much else going on for them. They didn't feel very uh, superior or didn't feel very in charge until the well, they got to tell people to wear a mask and then suddenly, You know, their um, their genitals grew three sizes overnight and they felt like they were in charge and they got pleasure from inflicting pain and humiliation on other people. That's the sadists. Um, And then the masochists, which I called the maskokists. the masochists, they derive pleasure from, well, inflicting pain on themselves. And I think this is what a lot of people sincerely, I think a lot of people feel this way. So you have this idea of, 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 in these definitions of words like kinky, uh, definitions of words like fetish, you have the sadist who wants to basically derive pleasure from inflicting pain and humiliation on others, and then you have the masochist, or you have the masochist, who derives the same from inflicting that kind of thing on themselves. So th- that's the, that's the idea of cultural BDSM, and it's also something that when you... When you look at it from an esoteric point of view and you look at people being bound and people being uh, put into a a lockdown quarantine situation, they are basically being put into the grotto, the temple, the sarcophagus, the pyramid. It's it's all the womb. Uh, It's all the the womb of ISIS, the mother, if you will. And they're being secluded from others. No social interactions. Can't see family. I mean, we were even told not to shake hands. We were told not to have sex. We were told uh, in some cases not even to, I mean, just be careful how you go to the bathroom because if you flush the toilet, the COVID particles come out of the toilet or they told us not to fart because if you fart, these are all real things that the COVID particles come out of the fart through the blue jeans and then they can get people sick. Nobody explained how farts can come out of underwear and blue jeans and make people sick, but, you know, not through a cloth mask that I can actually see through because it's so thin Nobody explained that, and it wasn't supposed to make sense because you're, you're supposed to do what your dominant tells you to do, and that's what it's all about. It was a dominant submissive relationship between government and the people, and it didn't matter where you lived, didn't matter what your politics were. People on both sides ate this stuff up, and we saw very quickly who were sadistic, uh, who were masochistic, and some people were sadomasochists. They derived pleasure from inflicting pain and humiliation on themselves and on others. I don't think there's really any other way to describe somebody who is wearing three masks, who's really squirmy and weaselly, screaming at other people who are healthy and telling them what they should and shouldn't do. And I don't mean that sincerely in a derogatory way. I mean, some people really are terrified, and they've been beaten so much into submission even way before the pandemic They've been beaten so much into submission that they are just a, a limbing of the state. and that's, that's all that they are. That's all that they'll ever be. They're too afraid to be an individual. They're too afraid to speak their mind. Now, on the other side of things, a lot of people actually, as a result of the pandemic, they became more um, more dominant. They realized, hey, we have to do something. We have to stand up against this. I think it's almost ironic because it was more so, in my experience, more so women that did that because men have had the, the testicles beaten out of them, the spines ripped out of them. I mean, almost every person that outside of this radio show, every person I knew in my personal life, you know, uh, bar a few, it, it, they were all women who felt that they didn't want to participate in this, that felt like something was wrong. Maybe that's, be, maybe that's because women are uh, typically more submissive than men are. And maybe that's because somewhere deep down inside, women realized, "Hey, this is—I don't want to—I don't want to—you know—participate in this. I don't want to have sex with this person, i.e., the government. I don't want to—you know—have this weird BDSM relationship." And I I really think somewhere subconsciously, unconsciously, that's why most women, a lot of women, or mostly women, in my experience, and I've heard others say this too, uh, refuse to participate. And I think part of it also has to do with children having kids and not wanting your kids to participate in this and men being so removed from the family structure and being so removed from from, you know, from raising a child uh, for all intents and purposes, that women were the ones that in most cases, whether it's at school board meetings or it was running for political office or uh, protesting, I mean, the funny thing is, like most of the the, the squirmy Weasley men were at black lives matter protests. And a lot of the women that weren't brainwashed by that were at, don't put masks on our kids. You're not taking my kid for a science experiment kind of, kind of rallies and protests. I think that's where, because women are more submissive, they just, they really recognize this unconsciously and refuse to participate. Um, talk about the strength of a woman. So that is the culture of BDSM in a nutshell. Now, People say that Christmas, which we're going to have uh, our Christmas here on uh, on this weekend, right? So Christmas is, what is it, three days away. Christmas is a holiday that is dedicated to the birth of Christ. We talked about last night, and I even played you that uh, Danny DeVito clip, who uh, our good friend Jordan Maxwell, uh, he had told me he had dinner at least one time with Danny DeVito, and Danny DeVito was was a real bright, real smart guy, knew a lot of this stuff. And um, Danny DeVito said on a podcast that, yeah, Jesus was born sometime in March. Uh, you know, they, this is something that um, has been scientifically proven. If Jesus was a real person, he was born in March. So we, t- we played that clip last night. It's, just, it's kind of a fun little clip. And uh, that, is a, that is a very true statement. Jesus was born sometime in the end of March, early April. Uh, associating him with Atis, the shepherd, uh, who I believe in some traditions or some myths was also crucified. And uh, of course, as a shepherd, Jesus is the shepherd. And then, you know, Christmas as a holiday is really just kind of like it's a co-opting of the winter solstice for the Christian tradition. But Christians now get really upset when you try to take Christ out of Christmas. They say, Put, "Take don't take Christ out of Christmas. And other people say, Christ was never in Christmas. Christ didn't exist. And it's this weird, like, atheistic Christian, you know, argument and debate and going back and forth. But I, I do agree with, with Christians that Christ has been taken out of Christmas and that there certainly is a war on Christmas. I just don't think that for maybe the same reasons that Christians do. I think it... Because I believe whether it's during Christmas or it's any other month of the year, any other holiday, God is also been uh, being taken out of schools. Now, that doesn't mean that, again, I'm looking at that from a Christian point of view. But when I say Christ is being taken out of Christmas and God is being taken out of schools, you, you need to ask me and you need to think about your own definition. You need to ask me what my definition of Christ is, what my definition of God is. And you need to think about your own definitions of those two things rather than assume. When I say Christ is taken out of Christmas, what I'm saying is just like God being taken out of schools, Christ and God, the anointed one, the Messiah, uh, divinity. This is basically morality, ethics, virtue, dignity, respect, honor, these words. These are the things that are being taken out of the holidays, which would include you know families, etc., And being taken out of schools, therefore school children aren't learning these things. And as a result, hyper-sexualized material and fetishized things are putting the sex cult in our culture. So while Christ is being taken out of Christmas and God being taken out of schools, sex cults are putting the cult in our culture. And obscenity is the new normal lewd and lascivious behavior is being honored and respected. Now, sex is, of course, everything and everywhere, and it's largely in the unconscious, but we are now incorporating sex into everything consciously. And it's not just pornography. Even though pornography is available like a weather forecast, just like drugs and alcohol, young people can find all of these things with little or no effort But it's not just pornography, it is equivalent to Weimar Germany in the 20s, where this stuff is not only available, you know, like just standard everyday pornography, but it's extremely fetishized, very, uh, I would say even lewd for pornographic standards, kinds of content. Uh, And As we've maintained this culture of ritualistic initiation into BDSM sex cults as a result of panic over our personal health, we need to think about how a society and how a culture can be maintained safely and morally, how it can be sustained when its people are stripped of their dignity, honor, and respect, and when a society, as we talked about Tuesday, becomes a binary society of only zeros and ones where people are unable to think outside of that computerized uh, mechanical thought. So we have a culture of BDSM and within that culture of BDSM with sadists and masochists, we have this weird fetishizing of sexuality placed into classrooms placed into entertainment particularly for very young children. We have a weird obsession with incorporating sex into everything, but not in a way that's even educational, not in a way that's even potentially beneficial for us to understand, uh, you know, what sex is, uh, the emotions, the the spiritual aspects of it. And that's a very dangerous thing because We're not teaching children to respect themselves. Certainly, they're not going to respect others. We're not teaching children the, well, the consequences of sex, the emotions of sex. So these things lose meaning. They lose purpose. And when that happens, society and culture begin to deteriorate. And this act of sex, whether it's animals, insects, plants, humans, whatever, which is everywhere, certainly... But it's in the unconscious and subconscious, and when we make it part of the conscious and we put that on the younger people, we're creating a situation in which the very essence of of what creates a new life has been perverted, and that essentially taints the human experience. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. It's a kinky Christmas here on The Secret Teachings tonight. More after break.
2: The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us.
0: From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio.
1: If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs you can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself.
0: You are listening to the Secret Teachings Radio. Back in 2020, we saw a culture of BDSM erupt from the policies and the executive orders and all the things that our dominant government did to keep us and the so-called virus in line. We saw people become sadists. We saw people become masochists or masochists. We saw this relationship develop between a dominant government and a submissive population.
3: With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
3: More
2: than once, actually.
3: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting.
2: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
3: I never win and tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: We also saw people that said, I don't want to participate in this. And in some respect, it was largely the female population that said, I'm not going to participate in this. And I think that largely is because of children. That's largely because of women that were taking care of their kids and didn't want their kids in masks, didn't want their kids to be subjected to this, quarantined and isolated. Women that saw that their children were expressing antisocial behaviors as a result of not being able to go to school. They weren't being educated. They were being treated in a way that even if you yourself You know, Jordan Peterson talks about this in in his book, one of his first his first book. And he says that, you know, some people will treat an animal better than they'll treat themselves. And we certainly do that with our kids as well. There are certain things we'll do that are dangerous, that are hazardous to our health. But we make sure our kids are not exposed to the same. I think that's part of the reason why a lot of women reacted the way that they did. And and certainly a lot of men as well. I'm, I'm one of those guys. But it seems like women had a had a more. Uh, immediate response to that than men did, and I think that that's something that you saw in you know everyday life. You saw that in women running for political office. You saw that in mothers going to school board meetings and and, and whatnot. And I think that's because women are naturally submissive, much more submissive than men on average. And as a result of that, um, women saw the the con subconsciously and unconsciously. And didn't want to play this dominant, submissive, BDSM relationship with with government. That's just my observation. Now, this might seem like it has nothing to do with the idea of BDSM, but Christians talk about how Christ has been taken out of Christmas, right? Although Jesus, as a person, was probably born sometime in the spring, sometime around March and April, probably wasn't born on Christmas, The winter solstice was co-opted for the Christmas tradition to make it easier for the pagans to assimilate into the new Christian faith. This isn't a debatable thing. But Christians today don't want Christ to be taken out of Christmas, even if it can be scientifically proven that Jesus was actually a real person and was born probably sometime in the springtime. That would just disrupt culture and traditions way too much. So Christ... Being taken out of Christmas certainly is an issue in that regard for people that have that Christian faith. Now, I agree with Christians just for, different, just for a different reason. In the same way that I agree that God has been taken out of schools, but I agree for a slightly different reason. To me, it's not about Christ. To me, it's not about God. At least in the standard dictionary definitions of what those two names or those two words mean. To me, what it means to take Christ out of Christmas and what it means to take God out of schools is that you're removing the fail-safe, you're removing morality, you're removing dignity, ethics, honor, respect. You're removing all of the things that make society beneficial for everybody, that makes society a safe and kind and decent place, yeah, that makes society a place that is not repugnant, a place that is not obscene. That's what happens when you remove Christ and you remove God from Christmas and from schools. You take away the moral fabric. Now, if that was happening as a consequence of, you know, intellectual discoveries and spiritual developments and new, you know, moral um, advancements, if you will, something to that effect, then I would understand why you know, we could justify. We're, we're moving on beyond the superstitions. We're moving on beyond um, the deifying of, 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 of you know these characters and, and gods and whatnot. And we don't need them anymore to still be a moral people because that's largely what religion is all about. But that's not what's happening. While Christ is being taken out of Christmas and God taken out of schools, that leaves the proverbial door open for something to walk in, like a energy, spirit, something. Like if you don't have God within you, right, you don't have that moral compass, that moral sense of direction, and you let that leave you, or you never let that enter you. The idea of Jesus coming into you, and it's not just Christian. I mean, Buddhists, doesn't really matter. You're Hindu, you're Muslim, you're Jewish, whatever. I mean, it's the same kind of an idea in all these, these different beliefs, philosophies, religions. It's having a uh, a, a centered pillar that holds up the, uh, the self, that holds up the spirit, knowing thyself, un- understanding who you are, what you are, uh, limitless consciousness and experience in this physical body, all, all these things that are broken down into metaphor and symbols and parables and stories and teaching lessons and all that. If we were moving beyond that because we fundamentally understood those concepts without the need for these characters without the need for these stories that would be one thing but we're not we're eliminating that and that's leaving the door open to something that is lewd something that is obscene it results in hypersexualized material and i'm not talking about like books and magazines and things like that necessarily i'm just saying hypersexualized ideas hypersexualized themes hypersexualized materials and Weird fetishes on top of that, that and, and I mean that, you know, subjectively speaking, weird fetishes, that are putting instead of God in school and Christ and Christmas, they're putting the sex cult in our culture so that it becomes a sex culture. I've talked about this dozens of times. This is precisely what happened in the nineteen twenties in Germany. And what led up to those Weimar years of perversity and depravity and obscenity. Germany had fought in the First World War. Germany was at the end of the war, which they didn't start. Germany was made and forced to pay what amounted to reparations to all of the countries involved in that war. Germany was broke. Homelessness was out of control. People that... Had good paying jobs before, no longer had good paying jobs. Families dis, uh, disintegrated, deteriorated. The, the stability of the culture began to crumble and fall apart. Families were broken up, communities were broken up, people were poor, people turned to alcohol, people turned to drugs, people turned to suicide. There's a huge number of people that committed suicide, especially in the later half of the 1920s. People couldn't afford to have families, couldn't afford to live. Germany was decimated economically, decimated culturally. Part of the reason for that is the First World War. The other part of the reason is a slimy, slithery, serpentine-like ideology that made its way into the minds, into the bodies, into the culture in Germany. And it was a slithery, slimy, deceptive trickster that began to spread these ideas of sexuality that took sex from a sacred thing, took sex from the sharing of, 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 of two uh, experiences into procreation, the creation of a third... And turned it into this trivialized thing. It turned men into women and women into men, literally. The word transvestite comes from Germany, in Berlin, in like 19 or early to mid 1920s. They performed sexual surgeries, they chopped genitals off, they chopped breasts off, gay clubs on every corner. It led to a culture of depravity and chaos and. Young children were caught in the crossfire. Children were brought up in that environment where they saw drag shows. Children were brought up in an environment where they saw not just pornography. They saw hardcore, homosexual, transsexual, fetishized stuff that isn't typical when you think of sex as being this, this relationship between a man and a woman. And uh, procreation, You know, the sharing of love and procreation, having a child... Sex became this trivialized, I'd say, debase, uh, even lower-than-animal thing. Uh, and children were subject, uh, subject to all that. Now, outside of that very brief minor history lesson, this is something that, of course, is not just happening in the United States. It's happening around the world. That's why Russia, as a country, has been so adamant on pushing back and refusing to participate in the advancement of those ideas in the 21st century. Also largely because Russia is coming out of, uh, well, what is it, almost like a whole century, almost 100 years of communist rule, wherein that was the basis of the way in which the culture was controlled. So if you can debase people, if you can take away the power of the woman to give birth, if you can take away the power of the man to protect the family, if you can take away the power of the individual to create and to grow and to, 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 to do things... If you can make everything about base animal nature, about you know, aggressiveness and violence and 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 anger and frustration and just taking that out on yourself and taking it on other people and, and 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 make everything about sex, then people are consumed by the animal self and they become easier to control. They become this submissive in a relationship with government, which is exactly what you saw in 2020 here in the United States and around the world. You saw people who have always been sadists, you saw people who were sadists become vindicated and they derived pleasure from pain and humiliation that they inflicted on others. And you saw masochists and you saw sadomasochists who derive pain and pleasure from inflicting it on others or as the word masochist uh, is defined uh, on themselves. Pain and humiliation that they experience that they put on themselves. They get pleasure from that. So, Why am I talking about all of this tonight? Well, what does this have to do with with anything? Well, obscenity is the new normal. Obscenity is a normal behavior now where we honor and respect the depraved. We honor and respect the fetishizing of things that, I don't know, probably shouldn't be fetishized. We, We honor and respect laziness, greed, sloth. Envy, anger, all these things that are just base animal nature. Now, when it comes to something like sex in general, sex is everywhere, of course, but it's largely in the unconscious. However, we're uh, we're basically incorporating sex into everything consciously. Pornography is as available as a weather forecast. It's how easy you can look up pornography. You type in what's the weather you know, you type in weather, you know, whatever city you live in, you get the weather forecast. You can type in pornography just as easily. And again, it's not just pornography, though. The pornography industry, and I mentioned this before, I've read articles, liberal and conservative articles, where even porno actresses are wondering why pornography now is all about incest. So that's where. You can, you can step back and say, okay, regardless of what your take is on something like pornography or your take on sex in general, some people are more you know, reserved, some people are more open about their sexuality, whatever. You know, Sexuality can be a beautiful thing, exploring your sexuality and all those types of things. But when there is no restriction to sexuality, which is sure the sharing of you know, physical things, it's also the sharing of spiritual things. When it becomes only about the physical, then you lose the spiritual, and it becomes this this debased, divine thing. And it's like anything else. I mean, you can have a, a a a gun to protect yourself or to you know murder somebody in cold blood. You can you know use a hammer to build a house or you can use it to bludgeon somebody to death. Sex can be used to express love and uh, base, raw emotional feelings. Uh, to have children, or it can be used to debase you. It can be used to debase uh, your partner. It can be used to destroy families. It can be used to do all these things. It's it's like it, it can be a positive thing and a negative thing. Is the point? So, when we're talking about sexuality and sex, and we're talking about you know things like pornography, it's one thing on the surface to have like you know naked pictures. Let's say. It's another thing to have naked pictures of children, wouldn't you agree? That would be obscene. That would be wrong. That would be illegal. That would be something that is um, regulated. Pornography in general is not really regulated in the United States. And in countries where it is regulated, people still get access to pornography. So it's kind of like with the abolition of alcohol. Uh, It's kind of like trying to restrict people from doing certain things. What does it make those people want to do? It makes them want to do them more. If you try to restrict your kids from watching TV and from doing certain things, they're going to probably swing in the other direction and they're going to become compulsive TV watchers at some point. You try to keep your kids from everything, they're going to probably get into some really bad stuff. Uh, In the same way that when you try to um, prevent people from getting access to alcohol or cigarettes or drugs, you know, there's a way to do it. I think that's balanced, but what that ultimately leads to is, well, prohibition led to uh, under, an underground market. It, it leads to things that are more dangerous things that um, uh, because people have to hide them, people have to do things illegally and under the, the cover of night uh, things become more dangerous. Uh, the, the process of doing them. And of course the product itself becomes more dangerous. So, pornography in a way is regulated in the United States but in, in most cases it's not it's not really regulated um, for example you can shoot pornography like standard pornography in California and in certain cities um, you know Miami's very popular Vegas is very popular even in places where you kind of have laws against it you can still pretty much get away with it uh, some states like Arizona it's illegal to film pornography uh, unless you are I looked all this stuff up unless you're I think it's like if the person performing the sex act lives at the address, then it's okay to do it. But it's something like it. But if you have to go travel somewhere to do it, then it's basically prostitution and you can go to jail for that and get fined. And I I looked that up because I was wondering what you can do it in California, but you can't film it in the state like Arizona. But even in places where it's kind of restricted, there's not really enforcement of it, right? There's not really enforcement of the law. So, I did a little bit of digging because I was wondering why obscenity and uh, things like, you know, lewd behaviors and lewd things um, are okay in some respect, but not okay in other ways. And the reason that I was thinking about this, to give you some context, is that a Texas lawmaker, Jared Patterson, has filed a bill to change an obscenity law in the state of Texas, and the purpose of this obscenity law is to help parents restrict sexually explicit books. So that's the kind of stuff going on in schools, in libraries, etc., where very you know explicit material is available to young children. Then I read this other article on December twentieth, and this is about a new bill the Interstate Obscenity Definition Act that was introduced by Senator Mike Lee of Utah. This new bill attempts to edit the legal definition of obscenity to allow essentially for the regulation of pornography. I saw those stories and I thought, well, I think this would be a really good show. I think I could provide a unique perspective on this. So I started to do a little bit of research. And in the art world, one of the arguments I kept coming across was, why is pornography allowed, but certain forms of nude art is kind of, you know, looked down upon? Uh, and a lot of the arguments I, re- I was reading through like art websites and things like that. Why is it like a naked statue from ancient Greece is OK? But if you have a painting of a naked person, you know, that's kind of considered obscene and you can't show kids that. Why are certain forms of nudity and you know, explicit material okay and others are not? A lot of that has to do, of course, with the definition. A lot of that has to do with the, uh, you know, the perceptions of morality and obscenity and decency throughout time. If you look back in the early 20th century and you look at the, the beginning of, of the, the film industry as we know it, you know, there's actually a documentary on this. It took a while for nudity in any form really become a common thing in uh, in film uh, in entertainment and now you know pretty much everything is nudity and virtually everything and you know that's not really really seen as immoral or it's not really seen as indecent it's just it's just the culture now it's just there violence nudity sex all those things those things wouldn't have been tolerated back in the early 20th century and that shows us that within hundred years, our culture has shifted and changed. We've went from basically not allowing a, you know, a cleavage to showing what amounts to softcore pornography in average everyday films that anybody can walk into with a ticket at the movie theater, even if they don't, you know, you don't buy that you don't buy that R rated ticket, you can still pretty much walk into any movie theater. We live now with the Internet where you can literally log on the Internet and just as easily as you can find the weather forecast, you can find pornography. And again, it's one thing if it were just sex, but most of the pornography industry now is not sex. It's incest. Most of the pornography industry now is, especially because you have things like OnlyFans, and you have things, you know, people can upload their stuff to these different porn websites, it's a lot of fetishized stuff. Uh, and I don't mean fetish in a way where I'm being a prude. I mean where it's basically bestiality. It's, I mean, because once you, once you engage in this kind of stuff, once you engage in um, sexual commerce, if you will, once you turn it into a, a product, and once the public is exposed to that product over time they're going to develop new tastes because they've they've seen that episode they want to see something different and so that slowly allows for this this deterioration and this debasement so that even something as debasing if you will as you know sex, sex in a in a movie you know pornography whatever you want to call it it turns into something that is even for people that otherwise wouldn't have a problem with pornography, sit back and think, oh, that's, that's really messed up, where it becomes all about incest, it becomes basically having sex with animals, and then it just keeps becoming more and more debased until you get to the point where, essentially, sex with children is not only tolerated, but it's respected. It's respected. And there's a difference between the two things. There's a difference between respecting something but not really being okay with it um, and you know, toler- basically tolerating it and things that we do now where we're basically protecting people and justifying people who are wanting to have sex with three-year-olds or babies because we've allowed for this debasement to continue over and over and over again. We've, we've we've seen enough of the basic stuff, so we want to see the advanced stuff, right? We, we, we want to move on beyond that. That's what happens when you trivialize sex. And and that's what happens when you trivialize something that is such a part of, of human nature, such a part of nature, such a part of the conscious, unconscious, and subconscious. What do they say? Men think about sex so many times a, a minute or something like that, as, as if women don't. But, you know, women have always been um, symbols of decency. Uh, and although you might not agree with this, in the, in the Muslim world, women wear uh, the head scarves, they wear, uh, the, well, people, I think it's kind of an offensive thing, but they call them trash bags. But They, they wear the, that clothing to protect their dignity so people aren't looking at them and gawking and making comments and things like that. You might not agree with that, but that's kind of the idea of why those women dress that way and some women choose to continue to dress that way even when they don't have to when it's not enforced like in Iran when they come to the States because that is a cultural thing that makes them feel comfortable and it prevents them from being, you know, uh, basically being sexually assaulted with somebody's somebody's eyes, if you will. So sexuality is a is a beautiful thing. But if you take sexuality and you trivial, trivialize it and you package it and you slap it on a lunchbox. Then it becomes this debased, cheap thing, and it loses meaning and so i mean we have to like I can sit here as a as a human being, not even as a radio broadcaster and I can tell you that if you have you know like the 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 classic young young little uh young boy twelve years old or something um And, you know, they get like a Playboy magazine from their dad or they're looking at the Victoria's Secret catalog or something like that. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that, you know, conceptually. I'm not saying give your 12 year old a Playboy magazine. I'm saying that I get the idea of it. If it's to kind of channel those hormones and channel the desire to see women naked and, and whatnot. I get the idea of that, the concept of that. And and perhaps that's the reason we are in the place we are today because that was done to one generation and then that generation was more comfortable with these things and then it just it just unravels faster and faster. But I, I get the idea like if a, if a if a you know a teenage guy wants to see a naked woman that's one thing, but when it becomes like about incest, when it becomes about bestiality, when it becomes about this very debased natural thing where it has no meaning or purpose it's just about in some cases it's not even about personal pleasure it's just about you know how much of this can you can you you know masturbate to how much how many many people can you sleep with it's almost like it's a contest it's just about racking up it's like padding your stats it's not even about the pleasure anymore then we've taken something sacred and we've destroyed it and that's why Christ has been taken out of Christmas that's why God has been taken out of schools that's why there's a war on things like Christianity because Christianity arguably more than other religions on its surface is about having a moral compass, having a moral code, having something that prevents you from being an animal, basically Uh, something that allows you to exist in society and where other people have the same views, where there's this sense of decency and respect in the way that you, every denomination is different, but in the way that you dress, which you again, find that in the Muslim world, the way that you dress, the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you, um, you know, you date the way that you you meet people. There's something positive about that. There's something humanizing about that. There's something uh, that is culturally stabilizing about that. But when you get rid of all that and when there's no mystery to anything, we just become these drooling animals that want to do things. Because in some cases, not even because of the pleasure, but just because it's there. So why not? And that's when you start to see the debasement of basic cultural and societal traditions and norms. And that's when things start to kind of fall apart, which we're seeing now. So in Texas, they're trying to change the definition of obscenity. And Senator Mike Lee of Utah, we're going to talk about this when we come back, with the Interstate Obscenity Definition Act, wants to change the definition of obscenity to regulate the porn industry. These are things that personally I'm, I'm leaning in favor of. When we come back. I'm going to tell you why some kinds of nudity are okay and other forms are not okay. Why, why is you know certain kinds of restrictions on our quote freedoms okay but others are not? Saw somebody the other day said, oh why why can't we restrict restrict uh, guns like we can abortion? Do I really have to answer that. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the secret teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere.
2: You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable
0: from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this... And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence... (laughs) This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with the Davidnightshow.com and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio.
3: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today
2: to... Has anyone seen The Bride and Groom?
0: If you enjoy the music that we play, you can find it for free. It's royalty-free White Bat Audio on YouTube. They allow us to use their music here on the show. We appreciate that White Bat Audio. Come out with new songs I think almost weekly. This is The Secret Teachings. I'm your host Ryan Gable. It is Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. Christmas is this weekend. Tonight and tomorrow, our last shows probably be off Monday, the day after Christmas, take a little bit of time off. Got a big Christmas show coming up tomorrow. We'll be talking about a pale horse and eight reindeer here on the Secret Teachings, kind of an extension of last night's show on the Oak and Holly Kings. I wanted to pause in the middle of those two shows, though, and I wanted to do something that was topical and something that I haven't really heard anybody else talking about, and that is the redefining of obscenity, or at least the attempt to redefine obscenity. Senator Mike Lee of Utah introduced the Interstate Obscenity Definition Act, the I-O-D-A, into Congress, attempting to edit the legal definition of obscenity to allow essentially for the regulation of pornography. The bill essentially would roll back what some call First Amendment protections that would otherwise prevent state regulation of porn in the first place. Now, these words mean a lot of things. First Amendment protections. People have a lot of confusion, a lot of misunderstanding over what it means to have First Amendment protections. For example, you can say things that are unpopular. You can express viewpoints that are controversial having the right to free speech, having the right to practice your religion, these are things that are meant to protect political speech, things that are meant to protect your general opinions on things, things that are meant to protect your religious liberties, but they don't mean, they don't allow for in the original interpretation, the original meaning, or even in some slightly misunderstood or slightly different modern understanding or meaning they don't mean that because you have the right to worship freely that you can kill somebody because it's your religious right we did that show where we talked about the church or the temple of hell or Satan or whatever it's called and we talked about how the, the, the church of Satan the temple of Satan temple of whatever they literally believe that abortion is their religious right the irony is Satanism and Atheism, these are not religious things as far as the the original meaning of religious protections are concerned. If if you're an atheist, you don't have religious protections. I mean, technically, I, I would say you're a religion, but the courts would say that you're not a religion if you're an atheist. You have to believe in something of a higher power. And I would argue that believing in a lower power is not really religion either. So... You don't have a right to kill a child. You don't have a right to kill an adult. That's not a First Amendment right. Likewise, people say this. You've heard this for your whole life, probably. I've heard this my whole life. This is a free country. I can do whatever I want. Well, you greatly misunderstand what it means to be living in a free country. That means everybody gets to say something. You can believe whatever you want to believe. That means you have equal protection under the law. That's what it means to live in a free country. Living in a free country doesn't mean you can steal from somebody else and there's no consequence. Oh, it's a free country. I can do whatever I want. I can take your car. I can I do whatever, I rape your wife. I can do whatever I want. It's a free country. That's not how it works. And it's really sad that you have to say that because some people honestly think it's a free country. I can steal things. I can do whatever I want to do. That's not how it works. So you have free speech. But that doesn't mean that you can threaten to kill the president. It doesn't mean you can, you know, use your speech to outright incite violence, harm, killing people, doing whatever. That, there's a limit to that. In the same way, there's a limit to your religious expression. If you're an atheist and you say, or you're a Satanist and you say, I have a religious right to murder people. That's my religious right. Don't take that away. Well, then you miss the whole part about life and liberty and government can't take those things away and you can't, you know, you can't have a functioning society if people are just going around murdering each other like some dystopian, you know, science fiction story. You can't have a functioning society if you're doing that. So bottom line is you have a right to say whatever you want to say, but you can't really call for and incite violence, although that idea can be redefined so that anything can be called an inciting of violence and it can be used for Ulterior political motivations. Um, same thing with, with religions, which is why the, the temple of Satan or the temple of hell or the church of the devil or whatever they're called, that's why they say they have a religious right to kill children because that's you know, it's their religion. It's not really how it works. So that's the First Amendment. And generally speaking, pornography, depending on how you define pornography and what is obscene, isn't really regulated, and if it is regulated, it's not really enforced the regulation in most states. In California, you can shoot pornography. Um, likewise, you can actually, like California is this, this haven of abortion, right? But what a lot of people don't know is actually in California, you have to go through a lot of steps to get that abortion. There's There's very strict regulation on abortion in California. Now, they might not always enforce it, but there's pretty strict regulation on it. Um, you would think it's pretty open and free, but there's actually legal restrictions on what you can and can't do in the state, whether they enforce it again or not is different. But same kind of thing with pornography, like you can shoot pornography there, but there's, you know, there's probably I don't know the laws in California there's probably some restrictions that just aren't enforced in the same way that here in Arizona. You can't legally shoot porn per se, but could you get away with it? Like, yeah. And there's a difference between you doing that with your partner and then, you know, hiring, quote, models to shoot porn at different locations. That that is illegal in Arizona. Is that enforced? Probably not, because there's a lot of porn shot in Arizona. So same kind of a thing in Florida or any other state. So First Amendment protections and state regulation, just because things are laws doesn't mean they're going to be enforced. Just because there's regulations and policies doesn't mean they're going to be enforced, etc. So that's the first thing to understand. This new bill attends, uh, attempts to essentially regulate. This would be the opposition to it regulate free speech. So the opposition is is suggesting that pornography and shooting pornography is is a is a First Amendment protection. Which to some degree they're right because the courts have held that it it essentially is a First Amendment protection depending on the level and the definition of obscenity, which is what Senator Mike Lee and those that support this bill attempt to do. The uh, the definition at the moment of obscenity is based on a three-part test originating from a 1973 case, Miller versus California. This is known as the Miller test. And basically, what the Miller test is, if you take an image or you take a video, it is defined as Taking that image or taking that video and determining if, if, if that content is obscene based on one, the average person applying contemporary community standards would find that work taken as a whole um, would define that as, uh, you know, offensive, so something to that effect, uh, whether or not. Number two, the work depicts or describes in a patently offensive way sexual conduct specifically defined by the applicable state law. So that goes into the states and determines if that sexual act like bestiality, for example, I think in every state it's pretty much illegal. You can't film that as pornography and you can't. But, you know, people can get away with it. Uh, in some cases, bestiality like I, I'm pretty sure in Arizona, it's only defined as if you have sex with an animal. But if you're making it into porn, like there's less regulation of that. It's weird. It's it's so convoluted and confusing. But this is the definition of obscenity now, the Miller test. Uh, what the average person thinks of the work as a whole, uh, whether it appeals to the, um, uh, you know, Puritan interests, if you will, or, or, or the lack thereof, uh, the work depicts and describes in offensive ways sexual conduct that is defined by applicable state law, so like bestiality, things like that. And number three, the work taken as a whole lacks serious uh, artistic Political or scientific or literary value. So you know, people joke about like, oh, I watch porn for the acting, right? Um, the the reason that you know there's quote acting, and you know there's actually a lot of pornography now um, that sees what the porn industry has become, and they've they've tried to do something different. You've got porn made by real couples. You've got the OnlyFans stuff. You've got which I I would imagine most of that's just you know grotesque and disgusting anyway. But you have. Uh, things that are done differently by the industry, you have offshoots of the porn industry, which is a small industry overall, um, and you have things that um, artists would say is, you know, it's an expression of my my beliefs. Right. Like, let's just take like anal sex and just just think of like anal sex or what do they call it. This stuff makes me want to throw up, but like gaping. Right. That kind of stuff. That kind of stuff would be, for some people, it's art. Mm, I don't think the average person would agree that that's art. That, that's probably pretty obscene. But is it regulated? No, you can find that stuff as easily as the weather forecast. Hell, it's advertised. You know, pornography is advertised now. You say the wrong word, you get porn ads. It's unbelievable. So that's the Miller test. That's what defines whether something is, is obscene or not. Now, over the years, a wide range of pornographic material has been determined to not be obscene. At the same time, the Miller versus California case in 1973 singles out depictions of patently offensive, hardcore sexual conduct as obscenity. Can you still find patently uh, offensive, uh, hardcore, hardcore sexual conduct uh, online? Absolutely. You know? A lot of drugs are illegal. Doesn't stop them from coming into the country. Doesn't stop them from being distributed. Doesn't doesn't stop mayors from selling drugs. Like the mayor of Rochester doesn't stop people from breaking the law just because there's a law. You know, it's a cultural thing. You don't stop drugs or alcohol with laws and prohibition. You don't stop pornography with restrictions. You stop them with a cultural shift, and that starts with religion. That starts with classrooms. That starts with families. That starts with culture. That starts with traditions. That starts with all the things that are being stripped away when Christ is taken out of Christmas, conceptually when God is taken out of schools, etc. So the IODA, the Interstate Obscenity Definition Act, which has been introduced by Senator Mike Lee, the IODA is an attempt to challenge the Miller test's prominence. It wants to create an alternative definition of obscenity. According to the IODA, content would be deemed offensive and obscene if... Number one, taken as a whole, it appeals to the prurient interest in nudity, sex, or excretion. Number two, it depicts, describes, or represents actual or simulated sexual acts with an objective intent to arouse, titillate, haven't seen that word for a long time, or gratify the sexual desires of a person, and taken as a whole, lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. So it's it's basically, especially the second part of that, depicts describes or represents actual or simulated sexual acts with the objective intent to arouse, titillate, or gratify the sexual desires of a person. That that pretty much means all pornography. Now, will a bill like this pass? It's possible that it'll pass, um, probably not, if it does become law, probably not something that can really be enforced. It's like all the other you know laws and bills and things that are introduced and people think that's a law because it was introduced or laws that actually do become laws but they're not really enforced. Um, What could really be done about obscenity and pornography unless there were a lot of people in Congress who were very adamant about this? Probably nothing is going to be done. And obviously for a bill to pass, the Senate and the House go back and forth. They make changes to it and they alter things and so it's unlikely that a bill like this would 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 be able to pass with these definitions or the, these guideposts for redefining obscenity. But if it did pass, it's still very unlikely that there could be any kind of regulation of pornography, which is kind of the intent of the bill. Probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't happen. Uh, largely because it's inconsistent with Miller versus California. However, it could potentially lead, with lawsuits to the Supreme Court hearing a new case, hearing a challenge to what is the precedent set by Miller versus California. They've already done that with abortion, and I know a lot of people think the Marriage Equality Act that was passed is this great thing. They've got the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, chopped up little tiny audio bits on Twitter, Saying, Oh, it's stupid. Why would they do that? It's so stupid. It's a waste of time, not hearing the context of what he actually said. But that that bill is is essentially worthless. It, it just it's one of those things where like Congress votes to condemn something. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
4: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
4: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
3: Sorry, sorry,
1: we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
3: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I mean, I get the idea, but okay, it doesn't actually do anything. That's what that bill does. They signed the Marriage Equality Act. What does it do? It just makes states recognize the marriage, but it doesn't force states to essentially participate with the ideology. So it's like you have to recognize that marriage, but you don't really have to go along with it. It's it's a worthless piece of legislation. It's as worthless as the people that voted for it. But it sounds really good Good come election season. Oh, the president did this. The Congress did this. The Senate did this. The Democrats did this. There was a few Republicans voted for it. It does this. Same thing I saw something about um, another bill last night. It said something about uh, uh, black women and, and hair and how black women with you know certain kinds of hair are discriminated against. And Congress needs to, to pass a law to prevent this discrimination. Why, why do you need to? pass a law to <laughs> prevent the discrimination of, of, of women based on what their hair is? Isn't that just kind of like whether they're, you're black or white or green or purple? Isn't that just kind of the whole like everybody is treated equally under the law thing? Like you can't discriminate against people for, you know, their race or ethnicity or disability. But no, they, they, they want to the the Crown Act is what they call it. Uh, it aims to protect individuals from unjust treatment in the workplace and hiring processes and schools and Republican senators like Kentucky Senator Rand Paul says, no, we don't want that. It's a, it, it would ban race-based discrimination of hair. I didn't know people were discriminated against for their hair. I mean, I guess some, some people are. I mean, I, I mean white women are. White women are discriminated against for their hair when they're told, hey, you can't appropriate culture. That's a black woman's hairdo. Except when a black woman dyes her hair blonde, that's okay. It's just weird that that's where our, that's where our, our political system is at. But these bills, these laws don't really do anything, and, and it's, it's likely that this Interstate Obscenity Definition Act likewise won't really do anything unless the Supreme Court agrees to hear a new case or if this bill could be passed with a lot of teeth to kind of rip apart the pornography industry. Now, I want to tell you my opinion, because I'm sure it's controversial. Personally, I am not offended by pornography, per se. You'd have to define what pornography is. Personally, I'm not offended to couples in a relationship watching pornography. But again, you'd have to define what pornography is, and you'd have to define what watching is. If that's the only way someone can get turned on, then they might be in a bad relationship, or they might be addicted to the pornography, and there might be a bit bigger issue there. So generally speaking, I'm not really offended by, and I'm not really opposed to pornography, but what is your definition of pornography? And what is your, you know, your definition? How do you define um, various forms of, of sexual content? Because there's a difference between a Playboy magazine and your standard, like seventies pornography, if you will. And having t- today men dress like women with erections, Play with kids at libraries. As far as I'm concerned, that is that is more offensive and more obscene than a couple of people having sex in 1975 on camera. Uh, that is less offensive than what those people do to those kids, uh, or the the pervert guy with the, with the penis that got into the uh, the spa pool with the spa. Was it like I think it was a pool or something with the with the girls, and the mom was like, "That's a man with a penis." In front, of my, in front of my daughter, and they're all, no, he's a, he's a woman, ma'am. Totally mental, mentally ill, deranged. So I'm not really opposed to it, but there has to be a line in the sand. For example, let's not talk about porn. Let's talk about like, well, you all know that I'm, I'm kind of a, a, a health nut. Um, guess I could see that term as offensive, but, but I, I take that as a, I'm proud that I'm concerned about my health. I try not to eat a lot of processed food, but on occasion, you know, I have some processed food. Uh, I've had, you know, whether it's noodles, those are processed, Uh, rice flour, bamboo extract. If I'm making ramen uh, or pasta, uh, some kind of rice or lentil pasta because I can't eat wheat, Uh, those are processed. Now, if I try to stop eating all processed foods, especially because I grew up on processed foods, it's kind of like the the foundation of what made me who I am, then you know I have this like addictive reaction, and I and I need to like have at least one thing, so I try to not eat processed foods, but I I still do a little bit, um, and I usually try to make sure that things are organic and things are very simple and you know very simple ingredients, so it's kind of the same thing with like pornography, you know I'm 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 not really opposed to it, but I don't want to you know, don't want it to be the foundation of every, every conversation. I'm open to hearing discussions on abortion. I just don't think abortion should be on demand, like, you know, a soda at a, at a soda machine. Uh, There has to be some cutoff point. Same thing with me with processed food. My cutoff point is like, I'm I'm not going to eat a lot of it at one time, and I'm not going to eat a lot of it over a span of like a week or two. I'll have like a bag of popcorn or something like that every once in a while. Some, sometimes I go on these stints where I eat like a bag of popcorn a day for three or four days. But I, I try to regulate and restrict it because you have to have some kind of balance. If you just play video games all day, like you've seen Japanese people do, you, you literally die. They, de- they don't get water, they don't get food, they don't sleep, and they literally die playing video games. You have to have some kind of regulation. That's why you have eight hours of work, eight hours of rest eight hours of doing whatever you want to do. You have to recharge. You have to have a purpose. You have to have relaxation. You have to have fun. You have to have balance. Extreme things don't work. Extreme processed food, you're going to get really sick. Only pornography, you have no relationships. You have no structure. You have no sexuality left. It's been stripped out of you. Only abortion, well, that's that creates its own problems. Now, The attempt to redefine obscenity, some people say, is an attempt to restrict free speech. Now, this bill has not gotten a lot of attention, but I find it kind of ironic because this is largely a Republican-backed issue. Let's get into politics for a second. Largely a Republican-backed issue. Mike Lee of Utah is Republican, at least by title. I don't know much about Senator Mike Lee. And there are a lot of Republicans that would agree with this. Are Republicans immune from sexual depravity? No. A lot of Republicans that are all about family, they they turn out to be gay in the end. Um, tapping their foot under a you know a bathroom stall trying to get trying to get something. So it's largely a Republican issue. The opposition to it is largely Democratic. And the Democrats will be arguing that this is a First Amendment issue. Now, the irony here is those same Democrats don't seem to care if Twitter is. Well, the company and and Elon Musk are publishing documents and showing that Twitter colluded with government. Government colluded with big tech to censor political stories, to drive down just like Google did, drive down search results for Republican candidates and artificially elevate search results for Democrat candidates. This is this is interfering with a free and fair election. It's interfering with the voice of the people voting democracy. It is a violation of, of the First Amendment. The government cannot do these kinds of things when you interact secretly in involved you're involved in a conspiracy to censor that information. This is very illegal. But the people that will be opposed to the, this, this kind of an obscenity bill won't be opposed to the Twitter situation because they benefit from it. And it's really weird, too, that some Republicans would likewise be for this kind of regulation, but they themselves are deprived, like, or depraved, um, deprived and depraved. Uh, it's kind of like, I remember this, um, uh, what was he, like a pastor or something for the church I went to when I was a kid. And this guy was having an, having affairs. Remember my Christian school I went to, one of the head people that ran it is having banging all the moms, you know. It, it's that's what that's what you get. So like too much restriction and you get that kind of a response. No restriction and you just get someone who's essentially strung out on addiction, all kinds of addiction. You got to have some kind of balance. I'm not necessarily opposed to pornography, but uh, you know, it's not porn every day all day. It's not abortion every day all day. It's not um, you know, an obsessive compulsive uh, addiction to things. And, and when I say I'm not offended by pornography, I'm saying like philosophically, um, my perception of this, my perspective on this is that I'm not necessarily offended by it, but there has to be some regulation or restriction on it. Uh, the reason for that is if we don't have some kind of regulation or restriction on it, to if someone's got to figure out a way to and i'm not just talking about pornography someone's got to figure out a way to kind of regulate and restrict this so kids can't just access it that's partly the fault of parents again prohibition doesn't work but what does work is injecting god injecting christ injecting an idea like god in christ into our culture rather than removing christ from christmas rather than removing god from schools leaving an open space that can be occupied by hypersexuality and fetishes and kinky things that are placed into, the, into the, 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 the field of vision of children, where children are being conditioned to think these things are normal at a young age and they basically sexualizing children, something is wrong there. Uh, and this is a cultural thing. This is a family thing. And, and this is something that, that is not going to be done with, with legislation. And certainly restricting these kinds of things isn't going to make, you know, a difference. Uh, It's not going to really allow for the regulation, um, you know, like people like Mike Lee probably want it to to allow for. Uh, But there might be some benefit to the bill. Who knows? Same kind of thing is happening in Texas. North Texas school districts vote to keep two sexually explicit books on the shelves has prompted the state lawmaker to file a bill to change state obscenity laws. Jared Patterson has worked with parents and watchdog groups to remove 28 book titles from libraries at Frisco Independent Schools since November 2021. And here's another weird thing. Here's another misunderstanding of what it means to have rights. You have a right to express yourself, but you don't have a right to run down the street. Well, I guess in Portland you do. Defecating everywhere and masturbating. That's obscene. That's indecent. And you can be fined and arrested and taken to jail for that. Same kind of a situation with sexually explicit books. People say, oh, they're banning books like Nazis. Actually, you know what? They are banning books like Nazis because do you know what books the Nazis banned and burned? Books on homosexuality, transgenderism, pornography. That's the kind of stuff the Nazis burned. Otherwise, Hitler was obsessed with culture and art. He wanted to protect and preserve those things. And these kinds of things, the sexually explicit material was undermining that. So we'll talk about that when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this.
2: The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio
4: to tweet with us.
0: Ground Zero to the Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio.
1: If you'd like to hear more of the Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at the When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit the secretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself.
0: The United States government made its first attempt to regulate sexual expression in 1873 with the Comstock Act. This act legislated the exchange of information and materials related to sex. It criminalized the sharing of sexual content, products, and educational material associated with abortion or contraception. It applied to any and all obscene material lewd material, material sent through national postal services or across state lines. Over time, the definition of obscenity in the 1870s, of course, changed. It changed in the early 1900s, the mid-1900s, the late 1900s, and, of course, in the 2000s and today. With every new cultural and technological shift, people seek more sexual Expression more sexual freedom. And as that occurs, there's always a response to that in opposition where people want to attempt to preserve some kind of decency, some definition of obscenity that prevents the sexual exploration from becoming too depraved or too, um, too, uh, too much like uh, just debauchery. And chaos. And every time that happens, people see it as a restriction of their freedoms and they want to become more sexually liberated, etc. So the government first tried to do that in 1873. Obscenity. As we know it today is defined by a 1973, not in 1873, 100 years later. A 1973 case, Miller versus California. The case decided what we now know as the Miller test, whether a given image or video is obscene based on three factors. Does the work have any kind of literary, artistic, political, or scientific value? Does the average person applying contemporary community standards find the work as a whole uh, offensive? Um, is it is the sexual conduct being explored within the confines of applicable state law. Those are the three main definitions of obscenity. So they're very vague, obviously. Senator Mike Lee introduced the Interstate Obscenity Definition Act this year. This act would kind of redefine the Miller test. Second of three definitions would mean that obscenity is defined as Anything that depicts, describes, or represents actual or simulated sexual acts with objective intent to arouse, titillate, or gratify the sexual desires of a person. This would, in effect, obliterate the pornography industry. Would a bill like that pass in Congress? It very well could pass in Congress, especially a Republican House. This was introduced in the Senate, though. Pretty split down the middle. You'd imagine there are some Democrats that might vote for it, some Republicans that might not vote for it. But if a bill like this does pass, and let's say a bill like this does become law, and you know, on the surface, the pornography industry would would uh, be eliminated. It comes down to enforcement. Would they actually enforce these definitions? Well, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. And it would be something that would be up to individual state legislatures. And those. State legislatures have laws already that ban certain kinds of things like shooting pornography or uh, bestiality. It doesn't mean people don't do it. It doesn't mean people don't get away with it every single day. So what good does a law like this do? Well, if we can kind of work to change the definition of, of, of obscenity, it might give you know people who are opposed to pornography and explicit sexual things uh, materials uh, in schools and whatnot. It might give them a little more teeth to fight legally against these kinds of uh, advancements, these kinds of offenses. On the other hand, there's a little bit of irony here because the people that would be arguing against this, as the media already is arguing against this, I've read a couple of art articles, like articles from the art you know, community and I've read things, mainstream news. People believe that Redefining obscenity, as we have since 1873 to 1973, and then redefining it again in 2022, 2023, if this bill gets passed next year, probably very unlikely. But the redefining of obscenity would basically make certain things that otherwise are seen as artistic expressions illegal. Now, personally, I don't have an issue with pornography, but I don't think pornography should be outright banned because, just like with alcohol, that doesn't work. So, if adults want to see pornography, that's one thing, and that's kind of the definition of what the courts maintain as variable obscenity. Variable obscenity is material that's obscene when viewed by children, define children, young people, define young people, though not when viewed by adults. So, sexual act could be seen as obscene by a child, but not as an adult. This is why, you know, pornography websites or even, you know, internet websites, um, even movies. You go to the movie, you have to be 18 or older and you have to click that accept. So the liability is no longer, you know, it's not on the, the website hosting or the company making that content. It's on the person who clicks it. That's kind of the source of the issue, I think. There needs to be some regulation of how, how easily children can access this kind of stuff one of the ways that changes is not with laws it's not with restrictions it's not with prohibition it's with culture when you have families that are stressed and worried about paying their bills and you have families that have a have a parental nucleus that is separated this leads children in almost every single case to getting involved in drugs getting involved in prostitution, getting involved in alcohol, getting involved in criminal activity, getting involved in gangs, different things for boys, different things for girls. But if you don't have a father in the home, you don't have a mother in the home, this is typically what happens. You get this imbalance. And that's not a debatable thing. This is a, a very statistically provable thing. It's a provable thing that's been proven over and over and over again when you don't have a family structure that sticks together. Doesn't mean that Non-traditional families can't stick together. It just means that, you know, generally speaking, and based on this historical and statistical record, if you don't have a family that sticks together, bad things tend to happen to the children and to to the parents and to, the, you know, the one parent that might be in the house, etc. Uh, and things get passed on generationally. If your parents drink a lot, your parents sleep around, then you, you're likely to do the same. Uh, you are likely to basically pick up what your parents have done. Even if you're really young, when they're doing these kinds of things, you pick up on it. That's the programming. You're the sponge. You soak it all up, and that's kind of who you become. So this is why there's a problem, I believe, with removing Christ from Christmas and God from schools because these are moral fabrics. These are moral guideposts. You know, you don't steal other people's stuff. You don't covet your neighbor, you know, it's like the Ten Commandments. That's the idea. It's like the Ten Commandments, right? That's, that's the moral guidepost. But when you remove all that, you leave this big hole. And the hole is filled with liquor, drugs, sex, and all sorts of other things. Does that mean that drinking is always bad? No. If you want to have a drink, that's fine. But there's a difference between having a drink, you know, having a glass of wine, having a little cup of sake, having, you know, some, you know, whatever you drink, some gin, some whiskey and being a, 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 a drunk. And there's a difference between if you need to pop a Tylenol because you're in serious pain and can't take it anymore and being addicted to, you know, painkillers. Having sex, you know, with someone you're in a relationship with, you know, even having sex with a few people you're not in a relationship with, you kind of testing the waters. It's understandable. But when you become a whore, when you just sleep with every girl you meet, um, don't understand how people can do that kind of thing. But if you just do that, then then that is going to pull and draw the energy out of you in the same way that when you have, you know, women tend to have this idea that, you know, your body is sacred. I have the same viewpoint on that. Your body is sacred. And so you probably shouldn't share it with everybody, but we don't really think about that as men men's bodies are just as sacred as women's bodies for different reasons. So you probably shouldn't share your body with everybody as well. It's the difference between having a a glass of wine with dinner, having a little bit of sake with your sushi, and just being a full-blown alcoholic. Popping a Tylenol because you're in so much pain you can't stand it, and being addicted to painkillers. There's a difference between these two. There's a difference between having sex with a few people and just basically being a whore, man or woman, just sleeping with everybody, showing your butthole in OnlyFans. You know, that's really empowering for women, right? So there's a difference between these things, obviously. And when we inject morality, when we inject dignity, honor, and respect, when we respect ourselves, when we respect other people, property, etc., we create a society, a community... That is kind. That is, you know, I don't know if I want to say loving, but it's it's kind, it's it functions, it's it's not this dirty cesspit that a lot of a lot of American cities have have become in recent years. It's not filled with crime, it's not filled with homelessness and drugs and sex and prostitution. Those things are the result of deterioration. Those things are the result of corruption. Those things are the result of not having God, not having Christ and Christmas, not having some kind of moral guidepost to know what is essentially, you know, intellectually, spiritually, uh, uh, and I think intuitively right and wrong. You know what's right or wrong. And if you don't know what's right or wrong, you're probably a psychopath. So variable obscenity is something that's obscene to a child, but not obscene to an adult. Of course, define child and define young person, but generally speaking, if adults want to watch pornography and and there's, there's a legal basis and it's consensual and all that, that's way different than banning pornography from being produced. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't stop anything. That'll, in fact, make the pornography industry grow because it's a restricted product. People want more access to it. So education, culture—these are things that can combat the expansion and the explosion of those kinds of things. Plus, the pornography industry is very small anyway. It's not really a big industry. It's not like a lot, a ton of money. Um, you have to wonder why you can get porn online for free everywhere, but pornography industry still has a lot of money to keep making porn. In the same way that you wonder how Disney can keep making movies that bomb about gay characters and you know strange lands and. Gay characters in Buzz Lightyear bomb, 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 and still have hundreds of millions and billions of dollars to keep making movies. You might wonder the same thing. I'm wondering the same thing. I think they're both being fine. I think Disney and the porn industry are being financed by the same aliens, if you will, but by the same kinds of uh, uh, ideologically parallel um, groups, if you will. So obscenity. We can change the definition, we could enforce the laws that we have. Variable obscenity um, I think makes a lot of sense that that's part of how the definitions of these things go because if something is you know not for children, you know we, we have a rating system, uh, we have uh, you know, are you 18 to enter this website? Those kinds of things. the responsibility is largely on the parents in those cases. And you can't legislate that. You can't litigate that. That has to be a that's a parental thing. That starts with generational, uh, generational conditioning or generational uh, teaching. It's something that has to be done in the family. Uh, it's something that has to be done in the home. A lot of that is well. It's unfortunate because it's it's phones and tablets and all that stuff. The Supreme Court approved the concept of variable obscenity. In 1968, in Ginsburg versus New York. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals upheld a Georgia law regulating the display of material harmful to minors in American Booksellers versus Webb in 1990. The Tennessee Supreme Court upheld a similar law in Davis Kidd Booksellers, Inc. versus McWerther in 1993. So nearly every state has some form of harmful to minor. Variable obscenity laws, many of these laws limit distribution of sexual explicit material to minors. The majority of these laws survive constitutional challenge, as the ones I just mentioned to you. 1873, the Comstock Act was the first time the government tried to regulate sexual content. uh, Everything from what they defined as obscene to abortion to lewd material sent through the mail. A hundred years later, we had the Miller versus California case in 1973 which defined obscenity based on three parts, very vague parts, uh, very vague definitions. And then the new bill introduced this year, Senator Mike Lee, the Interstate Obscenity Definition Act, attempting to edit the legal definition of obscenity based on, well, what amounts to wording and a, a definition that would essentially upend and abolish the pornography industry, basically banning it, prohibiting it like, alcohol prohibition which won't work so even if that bill's passed unless it has a lot of teeth it's probably not going to be able to be used for anything uh that's going to make a difference in society but i get the idea of where that senator is coming from i get the idea of where jared patterson of texas is coming from i get the idea where north texas school districts have voted to keep sexually explicit books on the shelves Arguing that it's the First Amendment right of older people to access those books, and even if children can get access to them by walking into, uh, well, the you know, the school district library, they can walk into the school and they can, they can find the books, um, it's not really a violation to keep them there, it's not obscene to keep those books there. You know, a really easy way to fix this problem would be to have a section that's off limits unless you're of a certain age. Right, that would be a that would be an option. You have to click eighteen to enter certain websites, even if they're not porn websites. You, you should ha- you have to be a certain age to go see a movie, certain age to buy cigarettes, alcohol. Which I think, in, in my opinion, should be should be increased. I don't think you should be able to have. This is my opinion. You, I don't think you should be able to have a tattoo until you're twenty five. I don't think you should be able to buy cigarettes or alcohol till you're twenty five years old. The reason for that is your prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until you're twenty five years old, so you cannot. You know, generally speaking, until you're 25, you cannot make a potentially life altering, bodily altering decision until your brain has fully formed. And when you're showing kids pornography and they're drinking and they're smoking and they're getting tattoos at 13 years old, um, you're you're only halfway there to your brain fully developing. This is a scientific thing. This isn't a, a, a religious or conservative thing. I'm not religious and I'm not conservative necessarily. That's my opinion, though. I'm willing to hear arguments to the contrary, but that's that's my opinion. Uh, and I think it's it's the same kind of a thing with, you know, there there are, there are easy solutions to this. You just separate the books, but they're not doing that, which calls into question, why would you want kids, especially when parents are really angry about it, when as a school district, the school board members, they work for the parents, they work for the community, for the taxpayers. Why is it that, they want to keep sexually explicit material within arm's reach of children. Why? Because it would be really easy to put that in a separate section. You know, when, you, when I used to go to, you know, you go to like um, Blockbuster movie stores, right? Or if even if you go to, I think Barnes and Noble even used to sell Playboy. You can't just grab that stuff in the kids section. You have to go up to the counter, show ID and, you know, embarrassingly say, can, can, can I get the, the, the Playboy? You know, or the same thing you go buy cigarettes. You can't just grab cigarettes off the shelf. You have to say, can I Can I get those cigarettes? Or I need to see some identification, sir. You know, can I get a drink? We're going to need to see some idea. Are you old enough to drink? Are you old enough? To, I mean, you can't even rent You can rent a car, I think, at what, 24 years old, 24, 25 years old. So if you can't rent a car until 24, 25, you shouldn't be able to buy pornography and smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol. I, I find that a, absurd and ridiculous. But a lot of this stuff is just arbitrary A lot of the stuff is, you know, legal arguments and precedences. And I get all that. I understand all that. So what I'm advocating for tonight is when you look at something like this case in Texas. They're trying to change the definition of a vicinity because the school district has voted to keep explicit sexual books on the shelves. Why not just make those books inaccessible to children? Why say it's a First Amendment right? Other people have a right to that material. Well, depending on your definition of of obscenity, sure, perhaps they do. But the point is, if it's an arm reach of children, that's a problem. If Barnes & Noble was selling Playboys in the kids section, there there would be a lot lot of legal ramifications of that. But when a school district keeps sexually explicit books, and not even like, here's a penis, here's a vagina, but like, here's a butt, here's a penis, put your penis in the butt of another guy. That somehow is oh, it's, it's so liberal, and for, it's the First Amendment, I have a right to have gay sex in front of people, especially in front of kids. No, you don't. You're a sick, disgusting pervert if you think that you do. And if two heterosexual people said, I have a right to have sex in front of kids, no, you're still a disgusting pervert, and you can't have sex in front of children in public. That's effing perverted and wrong. That's a private act. You don't just poop in the streets unless you live in Portland. You don't just urinate on the side of the road unless you live in Rochester. This is places where I've actually seen this stuff. But generally speaking, you don't defecate in public. You don't masturbate in public. You don't have sex in public. You don't watch porn in public. These are things you do in private because that's indecent. Some people have a really hard time understanding that. So why is it that people want children to see this kind of stuff? It's it's like the memes that you see on social media. Don't ask yourself you know, why people want to have, uh, what? what is it, like why um, people want to have drag queen story time or something like that, and, you know, why, what is it, why, I, oh, I know what it was, it was like, why, don't ask yourself why parents don't want their kids to go to drag queen story time, ask yourself why the drag queen story time people want an audience of kids, exactly, why can't Texas school districts just, if they don't get rid of the books because they're sexually explicit, they say, oh, they're trying to ban books like Nazis, and, people have a First Amendment right to this material. Uh, Well, if that's the case, then just put it behind a lock and key so kids can't go in and grab it. Well, other people could get it for the kids. Well, the same thing with alcohol and cigarettes, and that's, you can't legally, you know, provide alcohol to a minor. The same thing with these kinds of sexually explicit books. You know, when you see those pictures of Nazis burning books, do you know what they were actually burning most of the time? They weren't necessarily burning like Jules Verne and you know uh, uh, uh like classical literature they they, they they were burning things like oh I don't know pornography and smut because in Germany at the time homosexuality, transgenderism, LGBTQ, the capital of all of that was Berlin. Now it's Tel Aviv largely because well the Germans excommunicated, a lot of people out of Germany into what we call Israel today. A lot of them aren't actually Jews, like by lineage. And that cultural component, that uh, Frankist Sabbatianism, that's what their religion is based on. It's basically a satanic, uh, like the Church of Satan, the Church of Hell, whatever you want to call it, uh, where they believe that abortion is a religious right, where they believe bestiality is a sexual right, where they believe sex with children is a, I'm not saying Jewish people, I'm saying the people that are Satanist, or the people that well, now Tel Aviv is the capital of LGBTQ, just like Berlin was in the 20s, and they moved that to modern day Israel. That's where that that transitional shift happened. You have to wonder why why are there some groups of people like in Texas here that want to keep that material accessible to kids when it would be very easy to just put it behind a lock and key? Why do Drake Queens, if you will, need an audience of children? Why? that's that's the more important question to act uh, to ask That's the more uh, more important thing to to to, uh, to consider. Now when it comes to something like nudity, why is it okay to be nude partially if you're breastfeeding? Why is it okay for a woman to prance uh, prance around in a you know skimpy outfit at the beach but not if she walks off the beach? Why is it okay for a guy to you know, to basically be in a thong at the beach, but same thing when he's off the beach. Why is it okay for a woman to breastfeed? Why are all these things okay in some ways, in some places, but in other places, they're not okay? Um, You know, breastfeeding is a private thing anyway. I I don't think that it's liberating to be like, look, I've got a baby and I've got a breast, so I'm going to breastfeed him right here in front of you. Like, yeah, yeah, take that. That's just demeaning and degrading to the baby, to you, to everybody. Um, I don't necessarily think people should be forced into uh, a private place, but I think like, if you're level-headed, you don't want to make a scene about that anyway. But nudity, breastfeeding, why is that okay, but pornography is not okay, people might ask. Or why is um, why is uh, abortion restriction okay, but not gun restriction? I saw an article about that the other day. Well, because uh, the, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Third Amendment doesn't say you have a right to abortion. It says you have a right to... Bear arms, but not abortion. So constitutionally, you don't have a right to abortion. Uh, You don't have a right to uh, kill a child as a religious right. You don't have a First Amendment right to do that like some people argue. Abortion is a complicated, uh, convoluted thing. So a 15-week or whatever the restrictions are, it's a ban, but it's also a protection. You can still get abortion. So th- that's, how is, that's how democracy works. That's how we discuss and debate things. We define obscenity uh, by, by some standard. We change the definition of that standard over 100 years from 1873 to 1973. We're probably going to change the definition again at some point. We might make it more strict. We might make it less strict. I don't know. Some things are acceptable because breastfeeding in public, which most women don't flaunt breastfeeding in public, is different than two people having sex in public. Having sex in public is an obscene, indecent act. And I would argue that a woman who flaunts the breast, like, look at me, I've got, I've got tits, and I'm going to feed this baby right now, and tells the whole world, I've never actually seen anybody do that, but that's what I hear people argue. That's obscene. Why do, why do people need to know that you're breastfeeding? It's it's, it's a rebellious thing. No, it's not. It's not a rebellious thing. It's just weird that you need people to know that you're doing that. That's just strange. Same thing with, you know, a lot of crunchy, hippie-like people. Some people put me in that category. Um, A lot of hippie, crunchy-like people uh, believe that it's okay. And I'm open to this discussion that if you... You know, having sex when, you know, your wife's pregnant or your girlfriend's pregnant is a is a beautiful thing. And then as soon as the baby is born, you know, having sex while she's holding the baby. I'm not talking about like degrading sex, but just like basic stuff can be a a spiritual, energetic thing. I'm open to that that idea. But, you know, having sex with a five year old sitting there, that's probably pretty messed up because there's there's context. Okay, there are variables. Things change. You know, the child becomes aware and conscious and understands. So things change. Definitions change. Things are not black and white is the point. And although sex is everywhere, largely unconsciously, we're incorporated it into everything. And as we incorporate it into everything, we also have this culture of BDSM where people act in these unusually kinky uh, ways where we fetishize everything like, like Zelensky coming to Congress and asking for money again yesterday Uh, in the United States. And they have this big Ukrainian flag and they have, you know, the discussion with Joe Biden and he says, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure we, we help the Ukrainians and more money, more money, more money. Meanwhile, Ukraine is literally run by Nazi groups and Zelensky has shut down churches and threatened to put people in jail. If they, that's what China does. If they worship the way that they want to worship, they have no religious freedom. They have no freedom of press. They have no freedom of expression. Zelensky controls all of it, and the U.S. is subsidizing and financing that unwinnable war. And people have this weird Ukrainian fetish. It doesn't have to be a sexual thing, although I'm sure for some people it is. So, I'd have sex with a Ukrainian man because I care. It's like the women in Europe that are like, I'd have sex with a, with a black immigrant from Africa because I'm not racist. It's like one of the most disgustingly racist things I've ever heard. So we have a culture of BDSM, sadists and masochists, people that derive pleasure from the pain, the humiliation of others and of themselves, this submissive, dominant relationship between people and government, where obscenity has become the new normal. Lewd behavior is not only accepted, it's even honored and respected. And if you try to be modest, if you try to be decent, if you try not to be obscene, people look at you and think that there's something wrong with you. People look at you and think, well, why are you so uptight? Well, it's not that people are uptight, it's just that people respect themselves. People respect other people. People respect, um, you know, they respect some kind of uh, standard in society to prevent things from totally deteriorating into absolute chaos. I'm Ryan Gable, this is The Secret Teachings, and that's my take. If you have any questions, you have any concerns, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com. You can listen to the show five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific on groundzero.radio. Check out our archive on any radio or podcast player or app or on the website. There is a link to the free archive. Or until the end of this year, 2022, you can subscribe to the full archive with the Montage's digital books that I wrote and, of course, the private RSS feed. It's 40 bucks for the whole year or $20 gets you access to all four of my digital books. You can download them. I'll send you links paypal or cash app artie at yahoo.com for paypal money sign artie gable for cash app thank you so much for listening stay safe stay informed stay healthy don't be afraid be informed and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast